you have your Bibles, open to Philemon. Man, I'm so glad to be in church on Sunday morning. I love coming to church. I'm just telling you right now. I was glad when they told me, let's go to the house of the Lord. Amen. We're glad to see all of you today. Thankful that you would be here with us on, uh, and take time uh, to, to honor and, and give reverence to the Lord. Uh, Sundays are good. If you are if you're just visiting with us this morning for the first time ever, maybe you're coming back for the first time in a long time, regardless, maybe, maybe you've here, been here for forever, uh, we are, are grateful that you're here. I, I want to encourage you to take that next step and to, to begin to serve in a ministry or to, to find a group and try out a group so that ministry can be given to you and you can give ministry to others. Uh, we talk all the time uh, about how the church gets smaller and you begin to plug in and begin when you begin to know each other. And the, one of the best ways to get to know each other here at Lindsay Lane is to, to get in a group. And there are lots of spiritual things that can happen when you get into a group here at Lindsay Lane. But there's also a lot of physical things that can happen as well. Today, this morning, I had one of the best sausage balls in, the, in my entire life. <laughs> and I don't know where you are, uh, the gentleman that made those sausage balls, but praise God, those were awesome. And... Um, you just never know when, you, when you're in a group who may bring a uh, breakfast casserole or donuts or whatever, but uh, we, we believe in food and fellowship here, and uh, we're so grateful for it. But I hope that you continue to think about your next steps and uh, your place here in our church, and uh, we are grateful for, um, for you being here. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for putting us together, Lord, as a church family. And for those today that are considering where they need to land, Father, where they need to worship you and where they need to serve from, God, would you put it on their heart, Lord, to, to place them wherever that would be. We thank you, Lord, for Lindsay Lane. We thank you, Lord, for our local church here. And we pray, Lord, knowing that there are people this week that are going through a lot of things. God, they, their heart may be filled with worry or grief. And Lord, there are those that are making decisions Lord, there are those that are, are struggling within relationships. So, Father, one sermon from me cannot touch everything going on in everybody's life. But your spirit is in us. And your spirit works together with your word to teach us. So, God, we ask today that you would do just that. For everything that is going on with everybody, Lord, would you please minister to us in your own way, and how we need it. We love you. We thank you, Lord, for loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Philemon chapter, well, there is no chapter. It is all one chapter. Philemon verses 9 and 10. If you read with me there, verse 9 and then the first half of verse 10, the scripture says, but because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now also a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. If you're reading that for the first time, not being here last week, let me take just a moment to go back through what we have studied. The book of Philemon is Almighty God's work amongst three people. Three people that would influence way more than that, way more than just their family, but would entire, influence entire churches, influencing us still to this day. This one book is God's work in three people. Onesimus, that was mentioned there in verse 9 and verse 10, is a runaway slave. And not just a runaway slave, but he has stolen from the man who was over him, 
but one who when he stole from him and ran away and ran to Rome, he either by divine intervention or by seeking out met the apostle Paul. It's there that he heard the gospel, he believed the gospel, and he began to experience the change that the gospel of Jesus Christ brings. The second person that's mentioned in Philemon is Philemon. He is the master over Onesimus. He had likely been stolen from, and this is one who has been taken advantage of. Philemon is the recipient of the letter, and Paul is informing him that his runaway slave has not just been found, but that he'd been saved. He has been led to the Lord Jesus. He has been forgiven. And now this, this man who is receiving this letter from the Apostle Paul has a decision to make about how he is going to think about Onesimus from here forward. The one that's between the two of them both is the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is writing this letter to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. The Apostle Paul, who is following Jesus himself, has also led Philemon to believe in the Lord Jesus. And he has also led Onesimus to believe in the Lord Jesus. And so now, knowing both of them, and knowing both of them know the Lord God Almighty and have a right relationship with him, he is working between the two that are at odds to bring them back together. And so as we looked at, as we looked at Philemon last week, and we'll look at Onesimus next week, this week, we will look at the man who is reconciling them, the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul being the link between the two, having led them both to the Lord, knowing the disconnect, now he writes a letter, just a letter, that is a request of reconciliation in hopes that God's Spirit would lead to a reconciliation, a coming back together between the two of them, and, and that they would extend grace one to another. We first meet the Apostle Paul knowing him as Saul in the scriptures. He was Christianity public enemy number one. Violent, the scripture says, towards Christians. He was a zealous, a dedicated Jew that became legalistic, legalistic towards the point of violence against those who did not agree with him. And then on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter nine, the light of Jesus Christ and the love of our Savior got to Saul and flipped him to Paul. He experienced the truth, became a follower of Jesus. He became a herald to those on the outside of the Jewish faith, to a world in need of heaven, a world in need of a new standard, and to know the one true God. God changed his name. He changed his purpose. We know him as the Apostle Paul. He's an apostle because he experienced Jesus physically in the presence of God. Out of that, he was a church planner. He was a missionary, an evangelist and a father to, of the faith to many. He wrote numerous books of the Bible, including the letter that is before you now. Now, the everyday faith principle today presents to us a peacemaker, one that works between or in the middle of two people at odds and is bringing them together for the glory of God and for their own good. Y'all, at times, the message from this pulpit is for those of us who have offended. At other times, there are, there are messages that are speaking to those who have been offended and how they are to react. But today is in the middle of those two because sometimes it's not about you being offended or you being the offender. Sometimes it's about you being the minister between the two. And today we study the Apostle Paul as he works as God's agent of reconciliation. And the first thing that you'll see in verse 9 
is that he simply helps as he is. Help as you are. Help as you are. Verse 9. But because of our love, speaking of, of the love that he has for Philemon, the love that is between them to Onesimus now because he is a brother, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Now, Paul usually referred to himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ when he wrote a letter establishing a, a position of, of strength, but here he is actually establishing a position of weakness. I'm an old man now. I'm a slave, a, a prisoner and an old man. Philemon, this is your co-worker, Paul. And while I could demand anything that I want to demand from you, because remember, I led you to the Lord, I could ask anything spiritual of you because I too am the father of the faith to you. What I'm asking, Philemon, is that you welcome him back with hospitality and with kindness, and would you please hear it from an old man and a prisoner himself? And this is how he's making his appeal. Not through, you need to listen to me because you don't need to forget who I am. His appeal is through a relationship. A relationship. Now, let's talk about what his circumstances were. Prisoner, old man, writing from house arrest. Now, the Apostle Paul experienced towards the end of his life the dark, terrible conditions of a Roman prison. But in this context, he's actually writing from detention. He's writing from house arrest, meaning that visitors like Onesimus could come and they could go. But still, he is disadvantaged. I want you to remember that word. He is disadvantaged. He is dependent. He is socially weak. And anyone in this position would feel helpless to effect change. Have you ever felt that way yourself? In the position that I'm in, in the circumstances that I live within, the age that I'm in, the situation that I'm in, there's no way that I could actually affect positive change for the glory of God. He also describes himself as an old man. Now, y'all don't start getting offended in here. This is in the scripture, all right? Don't take it personal unless it's personal. But he describes himself to Philemon using this as a reason for him to respond, saying that I'm an old man now. Now, he was likely in his early 60s at the time. What's more than his age, though? <laughs> I heard some of you like scoffing at that. Again, I'm just telling you with the scripture. <laughs> if you don't feel old, then don't be old. I'm just telling you what it is. What's more than the age of the Apostle Paul was his life and his circumstances. The Apostle Paul had lived through imprisonment, persecution, illness, long and difficult journeys. He had all of this that, that had led to the way that not just that the age that he was, but how he felt. One commentary said it this way and made all be said of us. The Apostle Paul burnt himself out on Christian service. See, this is where he is, locked away to his home only to receive visitors awaiting trial. He is older, not able to do the things that he once could do. And here's where we begin to take note. Both of these, socially and physically disadvantaged, are enough for Paul to get to the excuse, I don't need to get involved because I can't do anything anyway. There's nothing that I could do being in the situation that I am to actually make a difference. But where there is people, there is purpose. 
and before him, even in jail, is an opportunity to make a difference for the glory of God and the good of man. Listen, you can make all kinds of reasons and all kinds of excuses for not being what you ought to be according to the Lord God. You can list all kinds of reasons why you can't be generous. You can give all kinds of excuses for, uh, excuses for, for why you cannot be intentional with people, for why you can't take time to pray, for why you cannot be helpful, for not being relational, for not being restorative in the relationships around you and amongst those that you love. <laughs> but the example of affecting change before you in the scripture today, listen to this, is an old man in prison. An old man in prison. I believe a principle of the scripture today in Philemon is everyday faith, or that's found within our theme of everyday faith is that to be found at a disadvantage can sometimes be why God is calling you to serve. Can be the reason that God is going to use your circumstances to get the attention of somebody else who needs to yield to God in the same way. Instead of discussing why he's not the best to help, he actually uses his challenges as reasons why Philemon should listen to him. He uses them as reasons why he should take his request serious. And his context for helping actually takes his excuses away. Philemon, I'm going to ask you to do something difficult. And don't forget, as I'm asking you to do something difficult, I'm in prison and can't hardly move. Now, you may think, well, that's manipulative. Is it or is it influential? Is it using his circumstances and his area of disadvantage towards a relationship that he knows it will pluck at his heartstrings? I may have shared this before, but it's worth sharing again. I made a hospital visit some time ago, and there was a senior adult lady in our church that was there. Her husband had passed away recently, and her health took a hit, and she found herself in the hospital around the holidays. And I made a note of this in my phone because this is literally what she said, and it's been probably a year and a half ago or longer. But it it made such an impression on me, I thought, I cannot forget this. She, who is now recently widowed, in the hospital at Thanksgiving, looked at me and she said, you know what? Since my husband died, the Lord's been getting on to me that I haven't done a thing for him in a while. She said, I'm going to miss my family at Thanksgiving because I'm going to be in here, but I know that there are those in the same situation as me in the rooms beside me, and I'm just going to try to make a difference within the situation I'm in with those who are experiencing it with me. Now, let's go on and take whatever our excuses are and toss them out. We ain't got time to minister to folks. Toss it out. We just don't have the room in our account. We just don't... We don't know how to take all of that and think of a prisoner and an old man. Think of a widow in the hospital at the holidays. Take all that stuff we talk about in our head when God starts working on our heart and toss it out. You just help as you are. You help two people that are at odds, that are working against what God is doing in the church. You take out all the reasons why you can't help and you start asking the questions of what can I do and you begin to work for the glory of God the best way you know how. So if you find yourself with this opportunity to help people towards experiencing growth in their faith, don't focus on your disadvantages. 
Focus on your opportunities. Maybe you are busy. And join the rest of us. And maybe you are working paycheck to paycheck and balancing the budget. Join the rest of us. Maybe you are got things going on in your life personally that you do. And join everybody else. Take all the disadvantages and all the things that you're working in with your circumstances. God uses broken people to put other people back together. Remember the widow from 2 Kings that we mentioned last week? Remember that? She comes to the, uh, Elisha, the, the man of God, the prophet. She comes to him and says, I, I'm, uh, you know my husband. He was also in the team of prophets around you. He has, has died. He's left me with debt, and debt collectors are now coming to me, and they're going to take our sons if we can't pay this debt off. And he asked her this simple but powerful question that I find myself asking a lot of people that I speak these days this question. What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What was her answer? Do you remember? I've got a jar of olive oil. That's all I've got is a jar of olive oil. And again, you know the story from last week. Go to your friends and neighbors, get all their jars together, take it in your house, close the door behind you. God does a miracle. She starts pouring down the oil into those jars. They fill up every single one of them to the brim, put the lids on top, sell it, pay off the debts, have enough to live on. God turned an olive oil jar into a small business. And you may say to yourself, I don't have what it takes to really make a difference for what God is calling me to do. You got a jar of olive oil? What do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What is something that you would say, I don't even know if it's worth anything, but this is what I've got. Let me tell you something. When God's got it in his hands, he can do whatever he wants to do. God can take a, just a small bit of wisdom that you've learned over the years. God can use the, somebody that don't talk a lot. Sometimes the folks that don't talk a lot, the ones that do actually listen to you more than anybody else. Instead of saying when it comes to an opportunity, and especially the opportunity to bring people back together for the glory of God, when, when that is the case, instead of saying, what can I, I mean, instead of saying this, I mean, what can I do? Actually ask the question, what can I do? You hear me? I've read that the Apostle Paul spent 25% of his time as a missionary in prison. 25% of his time in prison. Now, we're still reading a letter today that the Spirit of God inspired him to write. And so I'm pretty safe in saying that he didn't focus on why he couldn't do things and why he couldn't contribute. What did he do? Listen to this. He worked inside of his relationships and affected change. He worked inside of his relationships and affected change. Can I just stay off script for just a minute and tell you this? If you find yourself thinking, I don't know that I'm doing enough for the Lord, maybe you need to get to know more people. Maybe instead of going, nobody talk to me, maybe you need to talk to somebody. Instead of walking into the church every single day going, everybody needs to hear all of the things that I got going on, how about asking somebody else what they got going on? See, we... We can't help people if we don't know people. Get outside of yourself. Get outside of even your family circle and begin to get to know the, the folks over a sausage ball in a group and watch how the Lord will put relationships together so that you can help somebody that you didn't even know years before. 
Paul did something, he did something small. If you think about it, why do you say small? The, the first thing he did, which is absolutely the biggest thing that we can do, but it was just a small conversation, is he ministered to Onesimus. Come in here, man, and let me tell you, it's not stealing that's your problem, it's the heart that's your problem. Let me tell you who can fix your heart. Sit down here, let me tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you were here with us on Wednesday night, we talked about the, the names of God. We talked about how it, it's not the hands and the eyes and the feet that are the reasons that you are doing what you're doing. It's because your heart needs a change. And God is our sanctifier. He is the one who does the work of sanctification for us, working in our heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't get the Holy Spirit until you get saved. So when God saves you by his grace through your faith in Jesus Christ, God's spirit comes into your life and begins to pull the weeds out of your garden. And this is how we begin to, to actually serve and, and do things that matter according to eternity and matter to the glory of God. And, and, and does that mean we automatically all become missionaries and preachers? No, it means that God puts you in the context of relationships to work ministry for his glory. By doing what? By sharing the same truth that saved you. By sharing the same story, that old, old story of Jesus and his love with somebody else. And then what? What else did Paul do? He struck up a revival and got thousands together to lay hands. No, he wrote a letter. He wrote a letter. He reached out specifically because he could not be there in person, and he said this. You need to welcome him back because now he's not a slave anymore. He's a brother. You got saved. He got saved. Jesus is over all of us. Deal with it, brother. Help as you are, and help towards reconciliation. Now, I want you to take note of the influence of Paul. As I said before, he's not demanding his way. Paul is not saying, you're going to do this, or I'm going to send folks after you. He could have, but listen, to demand that somebody change, to just demand it that they not be that way anymore and be this way, you're working on something that's got to come from their own heart. Amen? You can't force that. When you are in a relationship with someone, you can credibly appeal to their heart. Why? Because they know that you care about them. I think that's a good principle for all leaders in here. If you are a leader, the people that are under you know the difference between whether you are over them or whether you are over them and you actually care about them. That's two different things. And it's a challenge to all of us. Sure, sometimes you can make things happen because of your rank, but affecting change out of relationship communicates that you care. It's, it's not been too long ago that I'm sitting around a table of decision makers. We're sitting there. there. There's a problem because the person not sitting at the table is the one that's actually holding up progress. And the ones that are left around the table are saying to themselves, well, I'll tell you what, we really don't need him to move on. We can make this thing happen without him. I mean, we can force our way if it comes down to it, and he's just got to go along with us. And then an older, wiser man who rarely speaks raised his hand, and he said, if y'all don't mind, I think it'll be good for the group if you let me just go talk to him. And thank God for that, because that older, wiser man had the closest relationship to him. He left out of there, went and talked to the other, and what happened was this. It worked for the good of those around the table. It worked to the good of the man not at the table. And it worked to bring them all to the table. Because it worked out of a relationship of someone who was not just trying to get a decision done, but someone who actually cared about everything involved. 
Working for reconciliation is what you see here in Philemon. And I will tell you this, if you've not had that opportunity before, you will to where you are the in-between, the mediator between somebody and somebody else that needs to come back together. So if, if you find yourself with this opportunity, help towards reconciliation. It, you, you may have allegiance to one person over another. You may find yourself in that situation right now today that you think to yourself, I am in the middle. I've got to help them two back together because they are believers. But the truth be told, I'm more likely to side with this one. And you may find yourself in that situation, but the goal is not to choose a side. The goal is to bring two to the middle. Why? Listen to this and write it down. Because reconciled relationships matter to God. Reconciled relationships are a certain value of the Lord. Paul said in verse 8 to Philemon, it's the right thing for you to do. And then he says in verse 10 that Onesimus is now very useful since listening to Paul. So what I'm saying to you is Paul was writing to one. He's working on another because he's trying to get them both to be where they need to be. Married couples, married couples. Don't you go through counseling issues with somebody that's just going to side with you every single second. Don't sit down and run to your mom and daddy or, or somebody that's your close friend that everything you tell them, even if you've done wrong, you're going to be like, you're right, you deserve that. Don't you go to them. Why? Because they're only for your first name. They're not for y'all's last name. You made a covenant before God. So you go to somebody that's going to help you bring it back together before God for the glory of God, and to see what God can do that, do through that. Y'all went to a funeral this past week, and it was a funeral where love and laughter was present, together with the good memories of a, of a close family. This, this, this is the way to finish. That's really the way to finish it. For, for you to go on into glory, but the folks behind you are working together and still love and laugh with each other. That's the way to do it. Now, I know that family and know them pretty well. They're not perfect. I don't know a single perfect family, a single perfect person. Here's what I know to be true because they're real genuine people who love the Lord. If they're loving and laughing together with memories at their mother's passing, it's because they worked for that over the years. Y'all hearing me? It's because they worked for it. It's because they said, I'm sorry. It's because they came back together because they knew the bond that brought them together and they loved one another. So at their mother's passing, they were able to lift up the Lord together and to love one another genuinely because they have sought reconciliation probably many times. Man, don't you want that? Now read with me in verses 13 and 14 because goodness gracious, y'all, if we believe God can save our soul, then I guess he can put us back together. 13 and 14, I wanted to keep him here with me while I was in chains for preaching the good news, and he would help me on your behalf. He would have helped me on your behalf, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. Now, Here's what you need to see and take with you, because this is if you find yourself in a place of ministry between two, if you find yourself in this place where you may side with one or maybe even the problem is beginning to work on you, sometimes you can be tempted to rig it instead of reconcile it. Are you hearing me? 
Sometimes you can be tempted to just let's get through this and close the door and don't look back instead of doing what God has actually called you to do and try to bring the two back together. Paul wanted to keep Onesimus. Did you see what he said? I wanted to keep him here while he was in chains. I'm in prison. The guy helps me out. I would like to keep him. Stay with me. He, he wants to keep him there, but the problem between the two is not solved that way. He would fix the situation by keeping Onesimus, and then it's a win for everybody, right? Win, win, win. Good for Onesimus. Why? Because he gets to keep his life. In that context, a slave owner could actually take the life of a slave for something even less than that. It's good for the Apostle Paul because it helps him. It's good for Philemon because he said, Philemon, you would get the credit for letting him stay with me when you could have had him back. Done with him as you like. So win, win, win. So again, what could have happened because it was Paul's desire to keep him is he could have rigged it to where neither would have to come in contact with each other ever again. You see what I'm saying? He, he could have said, you just stay right here with me. I'm gonna write a letter and tell him that you're saved and you're here now. That's it, we'll just let it go. Yeah, that's rigging it. That's not reconciling it. So what happens? Paul said, I ain't gonna do that without your consent. I'm sending him back to you. The important thing to note here again, and, and noticing this, this, this can't touch every single situation. Last week I was talking with a family when they left that had a question about some of these things. One single sermon can't touch every single situation. There are times when you need to establish a timeline of how to go about these things in wisdom, and then there are other times when it would be wise for a healthy distance to be there. But the Bible teaches today in everyday faith, in this situation, for the offended and the offender, both of whom are Christians, that they are to reconcile their situation. So Paul says, I'm sending him back to you for that reason. Remember the two ladies in Philippians? In Philippians, Paul reached out to the leader there and said, help these two women settle their disagreement. They're fighting amongst each other. They've worked with me in step in the ministry. Now they're bickering back and forth. Help them to settle the disagreement. Hebrews 12, 14 says, work at living with peace with everyone. Strive for it, the Bible says. Why? Why? Please listen to this. Why can't we just leave people alone and let them be and just not deal with those things? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ brings those who believe in him to peace with God and peace with each other under the power and the standard of God. God fixes broken things. The world needs to see it. I read this week of a reconciliation story from an ethnic rivalry in Rwanda. Two tribes that were at odds with each other, one having more power, power towards genocide. People were killed and murder. One particular man was guilty of his part in those murders. He goes to prison. In prison, he hears the gospel. The good news that God forgives you the good news that God gives you new life and new status before him, that the record of sin, while the consequences may be there, the record of guilt is cleansed and cleared because of the work of Jesus. He eventually gets out of prison and he begins to work with a coffee company. In that coffee company, he comes in contact with a lady whose family was murdered at the hands of him and those around him that were in rivalry against her tribe. 
under the conviction of God's spirit, he goes to her and asks her for forgiveness. And the true story says from this source that they both work together side by side in the same coffee field, the same field. Yeah, God can't do that for us though, can he? See, God only does that stuff in like countries that are not around us. He can't work together over our hearts. I don't need to say anything more else to that. I think y'all know the answer to that. I believe the principles of Scripture teach a Christian in a difficult relationship. Listen to me. I believe the principles of Scripture teach a Christian in a difficult relationship with another to work it until the other side absolutely refuses. Now, that's not me preaching. Look at Matthew chapter 18. If you turn there, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, the scripture's gonna tell you this. You go to a person, the next thing you do if they don't listen is you take somebody with you if you need it. The next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna take it before the church for help that's needed past that. And if between two Christians, if one of them rejects the way after all of those steps, that's when you separate fellowship. That's when, not just because you... The scripture says you've got to open your life to somebody that can help. And when they do and they tell you the truth of God's word, you've got to listen and let it be. But let me tell you what happens if you don't. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder in every vile practice. James 3.16. Peter is moving Philemon to do what? To do just what Jesus said. Peter, uh, Paul, excuse me, Paul, not Peter. Paul could have said, I'm going to keep him here, and it'll solve the problem. Jesus said, you send him back and let them have a conversation. He needs to talk to him, and he needs to listen. And when he does, both will be reconciled. So Paul is doing it as Jesus would have him to do. Work within your relationships to affect change. Finally, verses 17 through 19, help like Jesus. Help as you are. Help towards reconciliation. Help like Jesus. Verse 17 through 19. And again, I want to make this statement clear. We're not talking about where you've been. We're talking about where you are and where you're going. Verses 17 through 19. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, listen to what Paul says. Charge it to me. I, Paul, and this is in all caps, and sometimes the letters are questioned as to who's writing it. And sometimes Paul would use a scribe, and, and he would, they would pin it through his words. Paul says this in all caps. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. It's a promissory note. He says, and I won't mention, which he mentions it. <laughs> I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. That's a good one. I'm not saying, but I'm saying... You owe me, if you have new life, it was I who shared that way to new life with you to start with. He's helping like Jesus because he's reminding them of the truth, but it's even more than that. Philemon, listen to this, Philemon is in a position of a righteous judge. Onesimus is in a position of judgment for wrong. The opportunity for grace is there, but the debt has to be paid. Stay with me, the debt has to be paid. Paul says what? You charge it to me. A guy who's old and in prison, who's not seeing a lot of income, I've got what I got. It's so important to me 
that his debt be paid off and your relationship would be right with him, you charge whatever he owes to me. I want you to write this down. Grace is free, but truth costs. Grace is free, but truth costs. This is Paul doing what? Paul is helping like Jesus because he knew what Jesus did for him, what Jesus did for us. Sin has been charged to every person. Sin entered the world through Adam. The Bible says that death spread to everyone. Every person doesn't sin the same, but Jesus dies the same for every person because the wages of one sin or many is death for every sinner. But listen to the scripture and the hope of God's word in Romans 5, 17. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. And for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death. Did y'all hear that? Will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Grace is free, but it's only free because the debt of our sin was paid through Jesus God is in a position of righteous judge. We are in a position of judgment for wrong. There was opportunity for grace, but the debt had to be paid. And Jesus said, charge it to me. Whatever is on his account, put it on mine. Clear his record, I'll take the punishment. Man, do you hear the good news if you're thinking about your own salvation and your own forgiveness today? That if you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if God's gonna allow me into heaven. You don't know the things that I've done. All we know in general, because I know my own. My account before Christ said the same as yours now. Now you are a sinner and the charge has been brought against you. But the good news is, is that that debt of sin that is owed to a holy God has been cleared through the blood of Jesus Christ. The gift of grace is free because he paid it. Now go on and receive it. Grace is free because truth costs. Paul understood that his life had been reconciled. Now listen to this. If you find yourself at odds with another Christian right now, Paul the mediator recognized that his life had been saved this way, that God had forgiven him. Do you remember in Acts when Paul got saved and other people were like, I'm not helping him. God sent, I believe it was Ananias, and he said, hey, you go help Paul. And he did. And I don't think Paul ever forgot that someone helped him who didn't want to, but he was saved and he was saved. And now Paul finds himself reaching to Philemon saying, I got saved by the grace of God that I received. You got saved by the grace of God that you received. Onesimus received that same grace by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's enough to bring y'all back together. I'm not going to say you owe me your very soul, but I'm saying it. Do this for me, brother. We don't need to forget our own forgiveness. Are you hearing me? We don't need to forget our own forgiveness when it comes to relationships. But we also don't need to forget our own forgiveness because it will help us be an agent of reconciliation to other people. So what? So have a conversation. Give somebody a call. Show up at their door. You ain't got to stay for an hour. Say, give me five minutes. I want to tell you the truth. Let me tell y'all, or let me ask you, do any of y'all have people in your life that will tell you the truth? Are you okay with it? Some of the reasons why we have problems in our marriage is because the other person's telling us the truth and we don't want to hear it. Whoa. Nobody says amen to that because we know it's all true. See, if you find yourself telling all the people that are telling you the truth 
to get out of your circle, you know what that means? You're living a lie. You're living a lie. So if this week, God moves on you to get inside somebody's circle and tell them the truth, do so in love. And this week, if somebody knocks on your door and comes to you wanting to tell you the truth, you let them in. So you stop living a lie and live your life for the glory of God and the good of man. Let's stand to our feet. Lord, we all realize today who we are. We are either sinners who remain in our sin that need a heart change and a life change. We need simply and seriously to be saved, to be rescued, to be changed by you. And the good news of your free gift of grace is because Jesus has paid the debt of our sin. Lord, if this is making sense in the heart and mind of one or many today, Lord, that they would simply walk the aisle and tell us they need to be saved. Or right where they are, if they would call on your name, oh God, to be saved. Lord, if there are people here that need help, that need counseling, that need a conversation, that need a truth teller in their life, Lord, that you would move them to seek it. Lord, it may be that people today need to, to join this church, to be a part of this body of believers for their own accountability. Or they need to take a step of obedience towards baptism, Lord, whatever it be. God, maybe today in everyday faith, you are raising up somebody here to be an agent of reconciliation despite their circumstances, despite their disadvantages. Lord, that we would trust that your Spirit's work in us is enough. They would work to the things that you value and we would work like you in the lives of others. Lead us now during this invitation, Lord, if it be to pray, if it be to respond, or Lord, if it just be to worship. We ask, oh God, that you lead us through this time. In Jesus' name, amen. This altar is open for you to come and pray. Nobody will stop you along the way unless you want them to. We've got pastors here that will talk with you. We have Decision counselors here that'll help you take the next step again. You don't have to come up here and tell us your life story. Just tell us how you need help and we'll help you. Amen. Let's worship and pray together.